Hey, this is Mark with A Present Word, where scripture is shared with insightful and practical applications for you today. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, reading from the Amplified Version. Now, Jesus was telling his disciples a parable to make the point that at all times they ought to pray and not give up and lose heart, saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and had no respect for man. There was a desperate widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me justice and legal protection from my adversary. For a time he would not, but later he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow continues to bother me, I will give her justice and legal protection. Otherwise, by her continually coming to me, she's going to wear me out. Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God defend and avenge his elect, his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in providing justice on their behalf? I tell you that he will defend and avenge them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this kind of persistent faith on the earth? So what is Jesus teaching us in this parable? Well, a few things. You know, at all times we ought to pray and not give up and lose heart. I think he was saying, look, don't give up, don't lose heart, continue to pray. See, this widow was desperately needing protection from her adversary. Today it's really darkness, principalities, and powers. But she came desperately needing protection. And the good news, the Lord's telling us that God will defend and avenge his elect, his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night. He will defend and avenge them quickly. Well, that's very encouraging. And the final point I want to bring out is that she just continued to come at this judge. She was just, she continued to bother him. She continually was coming. She was wearing him out. And the Lord is bringing this point out in this story. You know, he was impressed by this widow and he was using her an example in this story. Going over to the Old Testament, Micah was prophesying to Israel in chapter seven. We're going to start in verse two. The faithful man has perished from the earth, and there was no one upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. Every man hunts his brother with a net, that they may successfully do evil with both hands. The princes ask for gifts, and the judge seeks a bribe, and the great man utters his evil desires, so they scheme together. The best of them is like a briar. The most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. The day of your watchman and your punishment comes. Now shall be their perplexity. Do not trust in a friend. Do not put your confidence in a companion. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your bosom. For son dishonors father. Daughter rises against mother. Daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household. Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Now, you may be asking, well, why am I going to Micah? Well, see, Micah 
Well, what's interesting is that Jesus is quoting Micah chapter 7 in the Gospels found in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 51. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five and one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Jesus is quoting Micah chapter 7. And it's repeated again in Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 34. Do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, daughter against her mother, daughter-in-law against, there he goes on and on. Verse 36, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So it's interesting how the Lord is quoting Micah chapter 7, but he's really, he's making, he's personalizing about himself. See, if we go back to Micah in verse 7 of chapter 7, Micah says, therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Well, we know today who the Lord, who the God of our salvation is. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is the Lord teaching us here by quoting Micah? He's saying, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And the word sword really can be encrypted as word. He came to, he didn't come to bring peace. He came to bring the word, not his word, but his father's word. You know, the almighty, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. That's what Jesus came to bring. Well, to some of us, it is peace. It brings peace. But to others, it's not peace. He who loves anyone or anything more than me, he's not worthy of me. That's really what the Lord's saying. That's family, friends, etc. All these family interactions, mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, son, father. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Where am I going with this? When we take up our cross and apply it in our lives, this brings the division. It separates everything that is not moving with the Lord and his Father's will on earth. See Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to division of soul and spirit. The Lord's letting us know that there's a qualification to be worthy of him. It's more than just saying a little prayer and, you know, it begins there, right? It does begin by receiving him into our life, but what the Lord is saying, it's he needs to be taking over. He has to become more important than any of these soulish, natural affections, these, you know, all of these other things could be people, could be, you know, could In this case, it is people, it's family. I have to come first. See, the word of God has to come and it has to bring that division within our soul and make the separation from soul to spirit so that we can begin to live and move in the spirit. If we live in our soul, 
Our soul has these natural affinities, these affections, and you know, these are things that we get drawn into. Maybe unintentionally, we're putting those individuals, those things ahead of the Lord. And he's saying, if you do that, then you're not worthy of me. You're not worthy of the, the upward high call in God that Paul talked about that we need to be pursuing. So this sword, this word, it comes and it cuts and it separates because the Lord wants us to begin to live and move in the spirit. Why the spirit? Because God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It has to be done in the spirit. See, in other words, all of these relationships, they have their place, but they come behind the Lord. Otherwise, they will influence you and me. They will have an effect and impact on our life, where we're going, what we're doing. The cross divides. People don't mind if you just, you know, say a prayer and become, a, you know, a carnal Christian. You allow the cross to be applied to your life and you begin to move in that and you're denying yourself and following the Lord. That's offensive to people. Paul talked about in his letters about their enemies of the cross. Their God is their belly. They put other things ahead of the Lord. We can't do that. Jesus continues in Luke chapter 18, verse 9. He also spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. In other words, the Lord was saying, Father heard this man's prayer. It was answered. God responded. Earlier in Luke 18, there was a desperate widow. She humbled herself. See, the unjust judge said, otherwise, by her continually coming, she will wear me out. The proud man is not persistent. See, they're self-justified. This Pharisee, he was trusting in himself that he was self-righteous, and he was despising others, you know, that were like this sinner over here. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. I thank you, God. I'm not like other men. What Jesus is really saying is this type of prayer is putting all their faith in themselves, not coming to God in deep humility and in great need of protection from their adversary. So what is Jesus looking for? What is he pointing out? He's saying the widow's faith. See, that's what Jesus will be looking for when he comes. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? See, it's not a prosperity message of faith that we've all heard for years. You know, faith to get material possessions, houses, cash, cars, clothes for ourselves. But you see, Father knows we need all these things, but he said to seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and what all these things will be added to you. But what is his righteousness? Who is his righteousness? Well, it's Jesus. It's his son, his soon and his soon coming kingdom. 
See, that's the priority. The prosperity message of faith is to get our eyes on all the things for ourselves, for our selfish ends. The widow's faith is a mountain-moving faith. See, mountains meaning through persistent prayer. So what's happening through this? Well, God responds to defend and avenge this widow. In this case, he expands it. He not only says the widow, he's using her as an example, but God will defend and avenge his elect, his chosen, who cry out to him day and night. And he says, I tell you that he will defend and avenge them quickly. How? By displacing these powers, principalities, rulers of darkness. These are our satanic enemies. It's, it's the adversary. See, the widow, she might have had, her adversary might have been a lawyer, a family member suing her. We don't know. But the Lord is talking about the adversaries that we now have. It's Satan and his dominions of darkness. Now, it may be people working on behalf of the kingdom of darkness, but we always have to look at the source. The source is always going to be coming from the dark side. These are the things that we're beseeching heaven and staying persistent in prayer for our loved ones, our family members, our lost children, our co-workers that we have a burden for, unsaved spouses. These are being bound by satanic strongholds. See, God wants to come and he wants to defend and avenge us, but he he will move these powers, principalities, our adversary, our enemies, he'll move them out of the way for us that we can have the victory. Jesus praying in the Gospel of John chapter 17 in verse 11, he says, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me that they may be one as we are. Jump to verse 14. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I want to stop for a minute. See, this word, it causes a division. It separates the soul from the spirit. People who aren't moving with Christ, well, they, they hate the word of God because it's, it brings a separation. People feel it. Verse 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse 37, Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, that's the soul and the spirit. The spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. So that's something we always have to be battling against. The Spirit wants us to begin to pray and intercede and petition in the spirit realm for our true need. So we have to overcome this weakness in our flesh. And 1 Peter warns us in chapter 5, verse 8, be sober, be diligent, which is persistent in prayer, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. See, Satan's desire, you know, is to devour you and me. He's always hungry. He's never satisfied. He likes to eat Christians. Paul writing to Timothy, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. So that's the good news. See, but Paul was a man of prayer. He prayed through. Satan was hindering him. He saw what was happening. He saw 
Satan wanted to do and creeping into the churches and uprooting and destroying it. So Paul was praying, not in his soul, he was praying in the spirit about these things. And God said, yes, I'm going to come and I'm going to answer that prayer quickly. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Well, to make it more personal, when Jesus comes, will he find this kind of faith in us? The widow's faith, the persistent faith in humility. That's the real question we should be asking. Look, we may want to be strong and powerful in ourselves. And there's a gospel that teaches us to be all that and the the authority of the believer. And don't you know who you are in Christ? And we get all built up and puffed up in ourselves. But the truth is, we alone are powerless. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So we need Jesus. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but it's always through him. So what is the Lord doing? That's where we need to connect. That's where the power, that's where we get plugged into the power through our prayer and then through our obedience. Jesus, the word of God, by his spirit, is the true source of power. Anything else is vain imaginings. So Jesus was telling his disciples a parable to make a point that at all times they ought to pray and not give up and lose heart. And he said, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I hope this message was helpful to you today. If you would like to be notified of future podcasts, click the follow button. If you're on Google, click subscribe. This is a free podcast. We are a listener-supported ministry. If you would like to donate, click the PayPal link in the podcast. If you're on our website, click the heart button. To contact me, my email is apresentword at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.